Hi, and welcome to Real Estate Keeping It Simple. Your host, Ray Dove, with REMAX Eastside Brokers here in Bellevue, Washington. Happy holidays to everyone. Hopefully you're off to a great start of getting your Christmas tree up, your decorations up, some of your Christmas shopping done. Hope it's a, a good year for you and your family, and hopefully you'll be able to spend some time with your family over the Christmas holiday. I thought today I'd talk a little bit about investment properties. If you're considering a buying a rental property, what does that look like? Are you looking for a single family home? Are you looking for a duplex, triplex, fourplex, maybe a 20-unit apartment building or larger. I thought maybe I'd shed a little bit more light on the differences between some of those investment opportunities. Let's take a single-family home. You can buy that anywhere, whether it be a condominium, a townhome, just a single-family home on a building, regular building site. The nice thing about that investment is that it doesn't really matter how much you charge for rent, provided the marketplace says it's worth it and people are willing to pay it. Used to be a rule of thumb was whatever the home is worth, so if the home is worth $500,000, you'd multiply that by 5%, which in that example would be 25000 Divide that by 12 months, and that's just about the rent you could expect for that home, about 2000 a month. Depending upon markets, you, you may have to take less, you, may have to, you might be able to get more. I suggest if you're going to buy a single-family residential-type property to ask whoever you're working with to look at and see what homes like that are renting for on Craigslist, on Zillow, through the MLS database. It'll give you a quick snapshot of what you can possibly expect. Now your lender is going to have some requirements and in most investment properties, if they know for a fact that you're going to be using it to rent out, they're probably going to require a minimum of 25% down and then finance the balance. And depending upon the price of the home and in the area, You might be fortunate enough to where the monthly rent will cover the monthly debt service of the home, including the property taxes. Depending, again, on which market you're in, it may not. But just know that there's, there's information out there through a real estate agent or through your own due diligence to find out what best suits your needs. Now, suppose you want something a little bit more complex. Well, there's a duplex, triplex, fourplex. Anything above a fourplex is considered commercial property so five plex and larger you actually have to get commercial financing and it has its own set of requirements of down payment cash flow requirements and things like that on a duplex it's kind of an interesting dynamic how we go about pricing those typically when people buy duplexes they live in one and they rent out the other and the way the math works on the dynamics of the debt service and uh capital improvements on a duplex is you're going to pay more for a duplex than you probably would on a triplex or fourplex on fourplex on a per unit basis and I'll explain how that works a little bit so you buy a fourplex building and they're getting a thousand dollars a month for rent so that's four thousand a month forty eight thousand dollars a year in gross rent then we would divide that to see what is the gross rent multiplier. Now for a buyer, the higher the gross rent multiplier, the better, 10, 11, 12%. What we seem to see on a regular basis is the gross rent multiplier now is more like seven, eight, nine percent. And then the other number you wanna look at is what's called the cap rate. What that is, it's your gross rent minus vacancy factors 
even if there's been no vacancies, you might want to factor in at least 5%. And then you come up with gross operating income minus your normal operating expenses. Then you'll divide that into the price and that should give you a cap rate of anywhere between 6 and 7%, which is ideal for a buyer. Uh, if it gets lower than that, then it's a more benefit to the seller, which means that they're getting less for rent than what they're asking for. And I've seen cases where they're asking for 500000 and the rent is only 30000 a year or 35000 So when you break down the numbers, understand what you're walking into. You're going to have gross rent minus vacancy. gives you your gross operating income minus normal operating expenses. So if you're offsetting the cost by paying for water and sewer and garbage, you have to factor that in there. Plus insurance you're going to need on the property. And that'll give you your gross operating income after expenses. And then you're going to have to deduct your debt service, which will give you the total possible net before tax implications. Of course, there's tax code that will allow you to depreciate the asset. You can't depreciate the land, but you can depreciate the asset. And if you do that, then of course, when you sell the property down the road, you're going to probably want to do a 1031 tax deferred exchange so that you can defer the capital gain for further down the road. If you don't, you'll just take the capital gain, whether it be long-term or short-term capital gain. Some of the disconnects in that is that the lender's still going to require 25-30% down. You want to make sure it's in a community in which the rents are going to be going up. I always ask people this question that if you bought a building, $500,000, and the rents were $1,000 a month, what would the property be worth five, ten years from now if you left the rents at the same as they were today? But when you get into triplexes, fourplexes, and above, everyone's looking at the income stream. They're looking at the normal operating expenses. They're also looking at deferred capital improvements of money they may have to put in for a new roof, siding, new carpets, new appliances. That whole equation is looked at so they can determine if it's a good investment for them and what does that tax implications look like. What I see in the marketplace a lot is real estate agents put on the market a property, 500000 the rents are 30000 and then they put in the remarks, these, these units can be rented for more money, they're under market. Okay, that's great in theory. But let's say you bought a fourplex building and the rents were 500 when they should be 1000 So you buy the building. You go in there and you notify all the renters that you're raising the rents. This year they're going from 500 to 750. The year after that they're going from 750 to 1,000. Just as an example, question you have to ask yourself: How many renters are going to want to stay in your property? Chances are none. They're going to want to go someplace else because they want to know that they've got stability and consistency. Now you might be able to raise the rents five, ten percent a year for a couple of years, but if the sellers, in my opinion, if they want to get full market value, then they should get full market rents and provide copies of those leases or month-to-month rental agreements to you when you look at the numbers to see if it's a good investment. Now, while you go out and look at these investment properties, do know this. Most of them are occupied. They're occupied by people that got leases or month-to-month agreements. And so you're going to have to buy a piece of property subject to visual inspection of the property because they're not going to allow you or everybody else to just come look at the property to see if it's going to be a fit. So part of your offering is subject to getting a visual inspection, subject to a building inspection of the property. And then during your feasibility time frame, you're going to want to look at the seller's tax 
records under Schedule E. You're going to want to look at the current lease agreements and what the terms are there. You want to see all the cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out, what's been deferred, so that you can make an informed decision. Me personally, when I represent buyers looking to buy multifamily properties, we go through all those steps. And I'm not one to buy into the concept that, hey, we're only getting $400 a month of rent, but you could get six, $700 a month of rent. My advice to my buyers, great, let's have the sellers get those rents to that. Then we can see value in the property. And I encourage you to do the same thing when you're looking at your multifamily property purchase. I can't go into all the little details and steps you need to take here. It's like take a long time and this is supposed to be a short podcast. My suggestion is reach out to whoever you work with now as a real estate agent. Talk to a CPA or certainly you're welcome to call and talk to me and I'll brainstorm with you some of the approaches you might want to look at and the pitfalls of owning multifamily versus single family, the advantages of owning multifamily versus single family and help you chart a path of success for whatever you do. And I will caution you that any type of investment like this should be a long-term investment. Five years or more. Real estate goes up and down based upon the cycles of employment, cost of money, which happens to be very good right now, and a whole variety of different conditions. So if you're looking to buy in hopes to flip an investment property, that would not be a good strategy uh, that I would encourage. You might get fortunate and find something that needs a lot of repairs. You're going to put a bunch of money into it, get it fully rented. Then it might make sense, but then you're going to have short-term capital gains. With that said, feel free to reach out to me. You can call me or text me at 425-681-8630. And you're also welcome to email me at raydoveremax at gmail.com. Happy to answer any and all your questions about investment property. Happy holidays. Have a great week. Until next time, go out and have fun and enjoy the holiday season.